And as time went on, others reported seeing a ghostly woman wearing a white dress, a male spirit near the entrance, and another apparition carrying sheet music. But while previous owners apparently took these ghosts in stride, Zadora and her family couldn't handle them. So they pulled a Bryce. <laughs> in fairness, yes, I yeah. would demolish an entire home. Yeah, they demolished the entire estate. Hell, I'd do a whole city block. I don't care. <laughs> I have needs. Hey, all you Holly weirdos. You enjoyed having Spirits with the Spirits as you joined us throughout our audio walking tour of haunted Los Angeles bars from downtown Los Angeles all the way to Hollywood. You embraced the heat but felt the chills of the haunted tales of haunted Burbank. And you joined us with our friend Mitchell Ralston as he gave us one hell of an interesting tour of haunted Disneyland. Now prepare yourself for another audio haunted tour with some true crime as we venture throughout one of the most famous neighborhoods in Los Angeles. You want a hint? The zip code is 90210. And let's just say that beyond the sports cars, the gated mansions, Rodeo Drive, and the palm trees lies a dark history that involves murder, tragedy, and even ghosts. So be sure to grab your designer shades, your fanny pack, and also pack your credit cards because we will be stopping at the Beverly Hills Hotel for a cocktail and some ghost stories. As you join us for our audio walking tour of what we like to call Beverly Kills 90210. Hey guys, we're here to talk about your balls. And I think that's a subject that everyone is interested in. Yes, of course. Um, another thing I have to ask everyone out there is, mm. I wonder if ghosts have balls? Mm. Mm. Look, <laughs> I don't really believe in ghosts. If you've listened to any of our episodes, you know that I'm pretty much a skeptic. Except, if I can come back as a ghost and teabag people that were mean to me in middle school, I'm a believer. So... I'm sold. Yes, we have partnered up with Manscaped to introduce to you the Lawnmower 4.0. And if any of you follow me on Instagram or any of our social medias, you know that your girl is hairy. Yes. So when they contacted us and asked if we wanted to partner, it was an instant yes for me because especially as we move into summer months, I need help. Yes, you want to get out of hot dad yeah. bod into like hot rad Bod, oh, right? Yeah, I yeah do. you like that, I huh? I like it. You know, there's landscaping and there's manscaping, mm -hmm. and there's also womanscaping. So I'm trying to prepare for hot girls some myself. Hell yeah. So tell me a little bit about the Lawnmower 4.0 price. Well, what I want to start with is that I have tried every option short of lasering to remove hair from my body. I am a very hairy boy, and it's very hot in Southern California. The two do not mix. So I've tried razors. I've tried electric shavers. I've tried nair. I've tried waxing. And all of those come with nicks. They come with mm -hmm. chemical burns. Girl, you don't want a chemical burn. Especially in your balls. On your balls. On your gooch. It's yes. not cute. It's not cute. Especially on your lady bits, ladies. No. Now, imagine... 
shaving with a sleek, well-designed mm. and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. Mm, I'm going to go with my second favorite time. Ooh, what's your first? Um, I just got a bidet over this last year, and it is life-changing. Oh, my God. I'm jealous now. But this will be number two. Wow, you bidet and now you get to manscape. That's right. It's a whole journey. <laughs> what do you like about the lawnmower 4.0, Bryce? One of the best parts is that it's engineered so that the ceramic blades are actually contoured so that they're not cutting you. That's the main thing for me is that nice. a regular razor – an electric razor, only of those metal blades, they're gonna nick you. And that is not a cute look. Nobody wants to see that. With mm -hmm. a ceramic blade, it's designed with your safety in mind. This is also upgraded with a 4000K LED spotlight. It is customized with trim additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. And did I mention it's also wireless charging? The future. I know, the future is in wireless. The new wireless charging system uses electric magnetic induction, which can help battery lengths last longer. There's, you know, electric magnetic fields, and even when it comes to shaving, there's electric magnetic induction. Ugh, we're basically on Mars as it is. I know, but that does sound sexual, doesn't it? It does. Mm -hmm. And speaking of sexual, if you really think about it, if you've been shaving using the same trimmer on your face and your balls, that's not... You're doing it wrong. Yeah, that's you're not doing it. it completely wrong. And ultimately, you don't want to end up with pubes in your mouth unless it's like, I don't know, your Henry Cavill fanfic. <laughs> like, and we all have it. We all have it. So no shame, but like, let us help you. So if you go to manscaped.com, you can get 20% off and free shipping as long as you use the code paranormal. That's manscaped.com code paranormal. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped, guys. All right, guys, before we go into the episode, before we go into the banter and the tour, we got to learn a little bit about the Beverly Hills history. And please feel free to time jump to 15 minutes and three seconds if you want to go directly into the episode. But before we touch on our Beverly Kills tour, we must learn a little bit more about the Beverly Hills history because, you know, we like to mix a little history and crime and ghosts. So we gathered some information based on the history of Beverly Hills from the Beverly Hills Historical Society website of beverlyhillshistoricalsociety.org. And so according to the Beverly Hills Historical Society, it all started with Maria Rita in the years 1852. Maria survives a siege and shootout with Native Americans who attacked her rancho, and this may have influenced her to sell her land two years later to Henry Hancock and Benjamin Wilson. Unfortunately for the new owners, the waters dried up in the area a few years later and followed by a long drought that left their livestock to die. Hancock and Wilson are remembered today for the upscale Hancock Park neighborhood and local geographic landmark of Mount Wilson. By 1868, the land was owned by Edward Bruce or Press, who sought to establish a community for immigrant German farmers to be called Santa Maria. In the meantime, he turned the ranch into lima bean fields, selling his crop to cover taxes, and Santa Maria was never to be yet after another drought thwarted Bruce's dreams. Early in the 1880s, Henry Hamill and Charles Denker 
acquired the land with the intention of creating Morocco, a subdivision with a North African theme. The U.S. economic collapse of 1888 put a quick end to that scheme. In the year 1900, the fortunes of the former rancher began to improve. A group of oil-speculating investors led by Burton E. Green bought the bean field on behalf of the Amalgamated Oil Company. Green drilled a series of wells that failed to strike oil. However, they did strike a lot of water, enough to support a town. In 1906, Green and his partners reorganized as the Rodeo Land and Water Company Inspired by Beverly Farms, Massachusetts, Green and his wife renamed the Beanfield Beverly Hills. In 1907, landscape architect Wilbur D. Cook was hired to design a street plan for Beverly Hills. Cook laid out curving streets with larger lots on the north side, smaller lots on the south side, and a triangular commercial district between them. All the streets were tree-lined and land was set aside for public parks, four elementary schools, and a high school. The vision was to make the area affordable to a range of incomes, as long as the buyers weren't black or Jewish. These shameful, restrictive covenants would eventually fall in the 1940s thanks to a lawsuit brought by Hattie McDaniel, Ethel Waters, and other notable African Americans. The first house was completed in 1907, but sales were very slow. And by 1912, to bolster the interest of potential buyers, Green completed construction of the Beverly Hills Hotel on the site where the waters once gathered. The luxurious establishment served not only travelers, but the locals as a de facto city hall, community center, movie theater, and religious worship venue. The hotel was reached by the specially constructed Dinky Railroad, a wondrous attraction in itself. By 1914, the local population was large enough to support the incorporation of Beverly Hills as a city, but real growth didn't take off until the era's most glamorous Hollywood couple, Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks, bought a small lot on Summit Drive and dubbed their home Pickfair. Put a pin on this because we definitely touch on Pickfair in the tour. Following their fashionable lead was a host of film industry stars, directors, and producers who began the celebrity mystique that remains a constant of Beverly Hills to this day. What also brought fame to the young city was the addition in 1919 of the Los Angeles Speedway, the site of auto races second in importance only to Indy. The course covering most of the southwest quadrant of the city barely made it through half of the Roaring Twenties. Among the notable structures built on the land formerly traversed by race cars was the Beverly Wilshire Hotel in 1928. The same year, Edward L. Doheny completed Greystone Mansion, a 55-room mansion and estate, which was a wedding gift for his son, which is now owned by the city and operated as a museum park and event venue. Also put another pin on this location because we will definitely be stopping here towards the end of our tour because there is a story of true crime and ghosts attached to this mansion. With growth came the return of a problem that haunted the 19th century rancho, a potential shortage of water, and this even haunts us to this very day. In 1923, an effort to secure a steady water supply through annexation by the city of Los Angeles was defeated by the voters thanks to opposition led by Mary Pickford, who feared the loss of local identity. 
celebrities continued to be important to civic life, most notably the nationally cherished humorist and honorary mayor of Beverly Hills, Will Rogers. In his memory, the park across Sunset Boulevard from the Beverly Hills Hotel was renamed after his death. The 1930s brought construction of the main post office and the magnificent Beverly Hills City Hall designed by architect William Gage in the Spanish Renaissance style. The old Santa Monica Park was expanded from three blocks to the entire length of the north side Santa Monica Boulevard from Wilshire Boulevard to North Doheny Drive and renamed Beverly Gardens Park. The elegant electric fountain featuring a central pillar atop which is posed a kneeling Tongva native amidst the spray of gathering waters was installed at the northeast corner of Wilshire and Santa Monica Boulevards. The jets of water effuse a multicolored glow at night thanks to a programmed lighting system. In the late 1940s, as the nation entered the post-World War II recovery, the city began to develop rapidly. With Rodeo Drive as its focus, the commercial district came to be called the Golden Triangle as an ever-increasing number of internationally renowned retailers opened there. By the 1960s, the city's reputation as a haven for the famous and center for grand homes, luxury shopping, and fine dining spread worldwide through films and TV shows shot or set there. The city also grew physically with the annex of a large tract of land in the hills above the east side of town, the area known as the Truesdale Estates, uh, originally part of the Greystone Estate. Facing stiff competition for shoppers from the new nearby shopping malls, Beverly Hills moved to shore up its status as the region's premier shopping area. In 1989, Rodeo and its pedestrian path via Rodeo opened quickly, becoming not only a shopping and tourist magnet, but a popular photo and film backdrop. By the 1990s, the demand for services and the need for seismic retrofitting moved the city to restore and strengthen City Hall and build an an expand civic center with a modernized main fire station and library and an an entirely new police headquarters. In 1996, the Paley Center for Media opened its West Coast location, a significant new building by architect Richard Meyer at the southwest corner of North Beverly Drive and South Santa Monica Boulevard. In addition, the shopping blocks of North Rodeo Drive were enhanced with new landscaped medians and sidewalks, as well as improved street lighting. Similar sidewalk and lighting enhancements were made to the shopping streets of North Beverly Drive and North Canyon Drive. And, of course, as we approach the 21st century, the city added more attractions such as a 9-11 memorial, a striking design containing an actual steel beam recovered from the ruins of the World Trade Center and the Wallace Annenberg Center for the Performing Arts. And now we're back. We're back. Guys, doesn't it sound a little different? We're (laughs) in the same room together Uh, face to face. It's so nice and surreal all at the same time. I know, a year and a half later. I, <laughs> oh Bryce. <no. laughs> I like to think that time is a myth and that it hasn't been a year and a half, but I recently had my second quarantine birthday and that was that was a very harsh reality. Like, oh. Oh no. We've been doing this for and my birthday is not at the start. So my birthday is in June, Gemini. Mm-hmm. Um and at the time last year, I really did think we'll be out of this by June, like late June, surely, because you know March, April, May, June, like that's that's enough time. Like 
we'll be done. And so to now have had a second June birthday in quarantine. And yes, it's starting to open up and all of that. But it, it, it was a very stark reminder of how long it has been. It's been... It's it's been a century. If it has <laughs> felt like it, like hello darkness, you my old friend. Old. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I know. It's like standing and looking at the man in the mirror. <laughs> yes, I'm looking yeah, at the man in the mirror. It's uh, it's nice. We here in LA recently lifted the mask mandate. Yeah. Which I have had my mask sewn onto my face, yes. so that will not be coming off at any time because I do not trust crowds of people, and I do not trust my facial expressions. No, it's the best. Sans part. mask, especially at my job. <laughs> people come into my job and they're just like, they're just clueless about certain things, and that's fine. I am also clueless about many things, but I do not have a poker face, so like the ability to hide my ire behind a mask is mm-hmm. a gift. I don't think I'll be giving up anytime soon. Good. Don't. I won't. Don't. I can't. I'll yeah. get fired. It's fine. <laughs> but I dipped my toes. I've gone to like a, an outdoor restaurant and I went to a movie theater and you know, little baby steps trying to yeah. re-normalize. I know. Get back to this new normal now. Oof. I know. We've gone camping. We've, nice. we've I mean, we've taken trips during, yeah. <laughs> during this pandemic, but with, you know, caution, of mm-hmm. course. And, you know, now we are all vaccinated. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, we're just going to try to pick up and continue with this new normal, like I mentioned before. That's and, all we can do, you know. Yeah. And just try to figure figure a lot of things out. Mm-hmm. And we're going to figure out how we're going to take this little tour of Haunted Beverly Hills, Bryce. <gasps> don't you miss the segue. I do miss a good segue. No. I don't miss being haunted. But what are you going to do? I know. We live in L.A. What can do. you do, Bryce? And Beverly Hills is for sure haunted by mostly by rich people. Street race, yes, street and racers. street racers, yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> street racers from the valley and rich people. Rich my people. two, my two nemeses. Yes, there you go. <laughs> and tourists <laughs> that drive aimlessly throughout the neighborhood. Yeah. It's like your your turn. You have your blinker on left, but you're turning right. Yeah. Okay. I remember when I first moved here. It had to have been one of the very first weekends that I was, you know, had moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. And we thought we were so fancy and we were going to go to Rodeo Drive because we're all <laughs> such idiots. You Oh, 100%. I know. As it's I so run into my mic. I know. <laughs> we're just these little Midwestern idiots. Like, we're going to Rodeo Drive. Like, oh, And then, like. Luckily, one of our friends, uh, she was quite posh. She was from like a nice part of London. She was like, "It's actually Rodeo," so we like avoided a little bit of embarrassment. But we like <laughs> were just these like school-aged like idiots in like our you know our cargo shorts and like our flip flops and yeah. We did not belong there, and it was so you, painfully obvious that we didn't belong there. You like, know oh. you're a tourist in Rodeo if mm-hmm. you're seen walking in flip-flops yeah, and cargo shorts. And here's the yes, thing. like, it's true. I get it. it I, it's hard to understand. I had a, a cousin before I moved here that was like, don't ever go to Hollywood. Leave it in your imagination. And that is true. There are certain parts of this city 
that you should leave to your imagination. Mm-hmm. And then there are certain parts that you should absolutely experience, like street festivals and like these little restaurants and like the culture and flavor of LA you have to experience in person. The LA Dodgers. Yes. Like those Dodgers you got to experience. That you have to experience in a person. Dodger They're dog. so fun and cool and like the yeah. city really has a lot to offer. Absolutely. There are other things, leave it in your imagination. And I would say I'm not wealthy, so I can't afford to shop on Rodeo Drive. And if you were in that poor canoe with me, I would leave it in your imagination because it's it's not for us. No, no, it's just a dream. Yeah, <laughs> that's all that is. Yeah. That is all it just is. walk by the fountain, reenact the share monologue from Clueless, and move on. That's all you can do. That's all I can do. Or if you're a little older, pretty woman. Oh, oh yes. yes, that is iconic. That is every <laughs> little gay boy's dream is to like mm-hmm. tell someone like big mistake, huge. Like, that's all we want. That's all we tell need. Tell me you went into one of those doors and said that. Line. No, I, I never did. have. But that is yeah, that's a rite of passage. I absolutely did. Yes. I can't remember where. I think it was in Versace. There's some I was like big mistake, huge. There's and some they're like, poor, like shop waitress. Okay? Like that's, that's not waitress. That's on the board. <laughs> shop shop owner. All right, guys, we are going to talk about one hell of a famous neighborhood yes. that resides in the zip code of 90210. Mm-hmm. I mean, this neighborhood is so famous that it had its own TV drama show in the 90s, Beverly Hills Obsessed. 90210. Do you want to know like a little piece of personal 90210 trivia? Um, please, go ahead. My one very close acquaintance who shall remain nameless for the safety of everyone. <laughs> Their family uh, owned the natural gas rights to Beverly Hills. And that what? is like, there is record and dedication of their family in the city archives because they were like original land owning, natural gas right owning members of Los Angeles. They like helped found this city. Oh my god, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Oh my god. I know, isn't that crazy? (laughs) That is so insane. Yeah. Oh my god, how exciting. And like, I'm pretty sure the city of Beverly Hills did like a little feature on their family. And like, it's in the archive. Yeah, it's like a whole thing. Isn't that crazy? Tell me this person walks around Beverly Hills like, I will. (laughs) No. No, we're Valley kids through and through. We never, (laughs) we never cross. No, 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 no. All right, guys, we're going to be going beyond the manicured lawns, the nicely trimmed trees that reside off of Sunset Boulevard, and the mansions, because Mm. beyond all of that is a very dark history of murder, Mm. crimes, and accidents. Quote, unquote. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) with severe (laughs) finger quotes. All right, guys. You know how we do. You remember going on a walking audio tour with us yeah. throughout downtown Los Angeles and ended up in Hollywood mm-hmm. with our haunted Hollywood bar tour. Yes. And then we followed it up with the Burbank walking tour, touring all the haunts in Burbank. And then, of course, we ended it with the haunted Disneyland mm. tour with our friend Mitchell Ralston, Hi. who Ugh. we love. I lo- that is like by far one of our favorite. Yeah episodes because I love Disney. Disney. I know. know. I can't, I don't know if I can go back to Disney because it's so packed. The, what is the wait time? I I don't know. There's just that one TikTok. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, I've seen them. And it's like, it is a throng of people 
outside because here's the thing the mask mandate is lifted at disney but you still have to have a reservation the limits of size have not been lifted so people trying to get in are like being turned away and can't like get into disney i think they're like increasing the number every week but like that first week it was like yeah the mask mandate's gone it's like yeah disney's not open free and clear but then like there's all these videos of people in disney and they're like i'm the only one wearing a mask like everyone's inside like all right, guys, we hope that you have your comfortable pairs of shoes on or chanclas, your fanny packs. Yes. yes, make sure you have some water. Uh, don't pack cash because now the restaurants take credit card. We're mm. going to be stopping at some bars, I tell you. We're going to stop at the Beverly Hills Hotel yes. off of um, Sunset, the Pink Palace. Mm. So we might stop and, uh, you know, share a couple of ghost stories yeah. over some cocktails and then end the tour at Boa Steakhouse. Yes which is haunted by a slew of paparazzi. Oh, God, I know. What a mess. And Kylie Jenner's, you know, lip kits. Yes. She's always there. (laughs) All right, guys. We're going to start at 2840 North Beverly Drive. And this is the House of Brando, or Mm. the Fall of the House of Brando. Oh, wow. So back in 1990, Christian Brando, one of Marlon Brando's nine children, was arrested May 17th of 1990. After the actor telephoned police and told them of the killing in his hilltop house, where people found Cheyenne, Brando's boyfriend, 26-year-old Dag Drolette, shot in the head. Now, Christian later told police that Cheyenne had complained to him at dinner that she was being slapped around by her boyfriend and that he had accidentally shot Drawlet when the gun went off during a struggle. Mm. Christian claimed it was an accident, with prosecutors unable to prove the case was premeditated. Christian pled guilty to involuntary manslaughter. But according to an article in the Los Angeles Times, according to Dag's father, Mm. Dag Drawlett had been trying to extradite himself away from his love affair with, and he quotes, this is his quote, a spoiled and unstable Cheyenne Brando. Wow. Trying to distance himself from the unhappy Brando family when he was shot and killed in the den of Marlon Brando's Los Angeles compound. And I don't know if you know anything about Marlon Brando's children, Mm-mm. but a lot of them are a little, yeah. they're not stable. Yeah. And I've read reports about Cheyenne and her her dealing with her own mental mm. capacities and stuff like that. that yeah. she, there are times where she would have fits of rage yeah. and she had those fits of rage with Dag. Yeah. So my question is like, why was there a gun present Mm. and who had the gun? Because it's not really clear who had it. Like, did Dag had it or did Christian had it? Was there a scuffle between the gun and it went off? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's so crazy is like, as we're, you know, as a society coming to terms with, Mm -hmm. the way that we treat the mental health of celebrities has long been unacceptable. We've talked in past episodes about Marilyn Monroe and you know, these sirens of the golden age of film and the way that they were treated. It's almost like props. And when they were having distress, you know, the Judy Garland episode, then they needed help. They were just dealt drugs by their, you know, handlers. And, you know, this Free Britney movement that's happening now. Oh, my God. I know. We're coming to grips. And, you know, 1990 does not it. 
you know, in my head it was 10 years ago because I just always assumed that 10 years ago was 1990, <laughs> um, if only. <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't that long ago. So these people, it's like, well, right, of course. Like, these children of these famous people were in the limelight from a very young age, and then they're having to deal with their mental health breakdowns in a very public manner. You're not... A, the human brain is not equipped for that level of fame. No, it's not. And while Marlon was alive, and the older mm. he got, the more senile he became. Uh. And uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, The Island of Dr. Monroe, Moreau. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was already, you know, showing signs, yeah. his mental breakdown, uh, too. So sad. he was mentally unstable. And I feel like that also, you know, attached itself to his you know to his, his children and he had nine like you mix a gun in there and it's like well, it's does, not there's a nothing good that's going to come out of good that uh, yeah situation and the way that they even labeled his home it's not even a home it's his compound mm. so yeah it's it's a very interesting family yeah and even in other reports that i've read and this is just what i've read like mm. It's just an interesting setup yeah. that he had there. Were they all living on the compound? Is that what? Yeah. Wow. He was trying to break away from the family. Uh, that is what is stated. That yeah. Dag was like, this is too much. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I want to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. And it is rumored that Cheyenne kind of knew that he wanted out. Mm. And she was doing everything possible to keep him there. I think they mm. even had a child together. Jeez. Don't quote me. I think, I Don't think they're child's kids. <laughs> that that is also what was um, a part of this whole situation as well. Mm. But it was a very very interesting decade of 1990 yeah. um, or the 90s, and yeah. we'll definitely touch on more yeah. crimes that occurred in that area. Woo! Oof, yes. All right, guys, we're gonna go and get on this bus. Mm. Because uh, we're kind of in the canyons right now. We're in the hills of Beverly Hills. So we Ooh. need to go all the way down. And we're going to make our way to the Pick Fair estate. This is 1143 Summit Drive. And this is a little ghost story. So oh, no. Bryce, it's okay. You can hold my hand. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> now, the 18-acre estate was built for the silent film actors Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford in mm. 1919. In 1988, it was bought by actress Pia Zadora and her husband, I might butcher his name, uh, Meshulam Riklis. We'll go with it. We'll go with that one. Okay, guys, just do not do let, not come for us, please. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> I know, like always. Yeah. In 1990, they demolished the, the estate due to termites, and I say that with finger mm. quotes. But in 2012, Zadora claimed on Celebrity Ghost Stories that the real reason the estate was demolished was in fact not because of termites, mm. but because it was haunted. Now, one night when her husband was out of town, Zadora heard a blood-curdling scream at mm. night, and it was her young daughter who came running in and crying about a woman staring at her mm -mm. in the bedroom. She said, Mom, I saw a very tall, white, ghost-ish woman standing above my bed when I woke up. Sidora claimed my daughter described this apparition of this woman. She had a white gown on, and she was looking at her and laughing, a.k.a. this is um, Tammy's sleep paralysis demon. No, and thank you. That, that's just please, what I think. Please leave my sleep alone. Thank you. I know, exactly. Like, oh, God. Bitch is laughing at me because I sleep with a retainer on. Yeah. I clean my teeth, okay? <laughs> Don't get on me for that. Thank oh. you. 
thank you. All right, naturally, Zadora suspected it was just her child's imagination or the stress of moving homes. However, it didn't take long for her to start seeing and hearing strange things mm. in and around the home herself, including the laughing woman. No. Legend has it that paranormal activity at Pickfair went all the way back to its original owners, mm. Pickford and Fairbanks. So the couple also reportedly saw the spirit of a female servant multiple times. And as time went on, others reported seeing a ghostly woman wearing a white dress, a male spirit near the entrance, and another apparition carrying sheet music. But while previous owners apparently took these ghosts in stride, Zadora and her family couldn't handle them. So they pulled a Bryce. <laughs> In fairness, yes, I yeah. would demolish an entire home. Yeah, they demolished the entire estate. Hell, I'd do a whole city block. I don't care. <laughs> I have needs. Trying to box me in. No, ma'am. They demolished the Big Bear estate because the paranormal activity got so bad mm. and it left the family with the decision to level the prominent piece of Hollywood history in 1990. The only thing that they left behind and left original was the uh, the gates. Wow. Yeah, so that's the only thing that they left to stand, you know, up and erected in that yeah. place. They uh, replaced the iconic building with a Venetian Palazzo-styled mansion, which still stands to this day and is worth a whopping 60 million Ugh. ghosts and all. You want to go have these on it? Sure, why not? Well, I mean, we might as well. I mean, it's been overdone, the Venetian yeah. Palazzo. Oh, I know, original. It's interesting. Now, in a normal situation... If a ghost is or an entity or, you know, paranormal activity seems to be attached to a home, would demolishing it get rid of that or would they maintain their connection to the area? I feel like it, they would maintain that connection to the area. Interesting. Sometimes demolishing is not the way to go. Right. And I know that in other haunting cases... Um, when a structure is demolished and a new one is erected, the phenomenon still continues. As we mentioned in our get, like in the Gettysburg Ghost, oh, how sure. you know there were some structures that were used as hospitals, and either they were added a certain wing mm. or certain things were removed. People will still see, you know, residual phenomena happening. Like I keep on seeing a soldier walk into my closet. Why? Well, that closet originally led to another right. wing. So it could be that, you know, even though they demolish this whole estate, I'm sure whatever is there, for example, maybe the servant mm. or the man carrying the sheet music is still on replay. Yeah. Now, the woman, the laughing woman, that's an interesting one. Yeah. That's one that I would have to say we have to do an investigation. Right, of course. Yeah, to see if she's still there. Yeah. Does she go with the rest of the pieces or does she stay, you know, earthbound to that location? Oof. And we'll kind of go into another story that's very mm. similar to this one with a very famous actress later on in this tour, guys. Love it. Yeah, it's perfect. But that is open to interpretation. Of course. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to head to the biggest piece of dark history right here that's attached to Beverly Hills. Mm. And that is the trifecta of tragedy, the Beverly Hills Bermuda Triangle, guys. Mm. Oh, yes. We're going to skedaddle over here <laughs> to North Linden and North Whittier Drive. And there is a, a bunch of things that have happened here since the 1940s. So first off, in 1946, a plane piloted 
by famous filmmaker Howard Hughes slammed into a row of houses and came to rest at 808 North Whittier, hmm. which was a few doors away from the infamous mobster Bugsy Siegel's mistress's home of Virginia Hill. Whoa. So we will touch on his home very shortly. On July 7th of 1946, Howard Hughes took his first prototype on its maiden flight, his XF-11, and crashed it into this neighborhood. As you do. As you do when you have a lot of money Mm -hmm. and planes. What do you do? You crash your plane. Mm -hmm. Now, according to the LA Times, actor Dennis O'Keefe, who witnessed the entire episode from his home at 802 North London Drive, stated that the plane appeared to have been flying at an extremely low altitude. Judging from the sound of the approaching engines, Hughes fell about 300 feet short of the golf course. However, in this treetop clipping attempt, the gigantic photographic plane, both of its powerful engines whining, tore more than half the roof from the two-story dwelling at 803 North Linden mm. Drive, occupied by Dr. Jules Zimmerman, a dentist. Mm. Simultaneously, the plane's right wing sliced through the upstairs bedroom of the home next door to Zimmerman's at 805 North Linden Drive, narrowly missing the occupants Jerry DeCamp and his wife Elizabeth, who were in the room at the time. Caroming off the garage in the rear of the DeCamp residence, the XF-11 continued to swath off the devastation, slicing through a line of popular or poplar trees bounding the rear of 808 Whittier Drive, the home of Lieutenant Colonel Charles A. Mayer, interpreter at the war crimes trial in Europe, wow. and burst into flames as it crashed into Mayer's home. Poor guy. Yeah, like... I mean, I'm sure, like, he had just gotten back from his, you know, job interpreting, you know, the war crimes mm-hmm. in Europe. And all he wants to do is just be in his white shirt, mm-hmm. his boxers, light up a cigarette, and pour a glass of scotch. Isn't that what we all want? Uh-huh. That's all I want to do. I just take out my raw, wear some yeah. old boxers. <laughs> yes. And pour myself a highball. Like... There's something particularly jarring about a plane crashing into a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like, not that a plane crashing anywhere is, like, more or less tragic, but just, like, it's so not the right place. Like, right? No. We kind of have this, like, romantic idea of, like, planes in the sea and, like, planes on deserted islands. But, right. like, a neighborhood is so creepy. Fortunately, no one was killed. That's crazy. Not even Howard Hughes. Ugh. And he ended up surviving this crash. Thank goodness. People oh, had injuries. There was a lot of damage. His hand was damaged because of the amount of checks he had to write and cut for yeah, the damages. Jesus, I mean, I he had the money. Imagine. He had the paper. You yeah, can imagine. Like, still, like These are million-dollar homes, right? Oof. But he ends up, you know, surviving this crash. He did suffer, you know, non-life-threatening injuries. But it's miraculous that no one was yeah. killed. <laughs> that is... That is amazing. So, in my opinion, like, you know, this Bermuda Triangle is not that cursed. Yeah. But a year later, down the street, someone is not so lucky, and that is Bugsy Siegel. So, guys, we're going to travel over to the Bugsy Siegel murder house. Oh, my God. 
All right, so Bugsy Siegel was murdered at 810 North Linden in 1947, literally almost a year after the crash. That's so weird. So if you follow us over here in front of the house, it looks pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a really bougie place, but a lot of bad things happened here. So <laughs> for some of you who don't know who Siegel is, mm -hmm. it, Siegel goes by Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. And he was an East Coast American mobster who was a driving force behind the development of the Las Vegas Strip. And on June 20th of 1947, Benjamin Bugsy Siegel, the East Coast mobster, who had relocated to and prospered in Los Angeles and was now intent on building up Las Vegas, sat in his girlfriend's living room one evening in Beverly Hills. He was chatting with his longtime friend and associate, Alan Smiley, while reading the Los <laughs> Angeles Times newspaper. Suddenly, shots exploded through the front window and an unknown assailant wielding an M1 carbine hmm. had fired point blank at the couch. Smiley took three bullets through the sleeve of his jacket, which is very sus, while Siegel took many more bullets, including two to the head, which meant that he died instantly on the scene. Smiley ends up living through this. He ends up becoming an oil man in Houston, so... It does sound a little sus yeah. that he only got three shots in his arm, right? Yeah. So the assailant disappears into the night and the crime was never solved. But a lot of people like to suspect that it was definitely a setup. Yeah. Obviously. Now here is the paranormal association. Ooh. Yes. So Siegel's spirit has been seen in the house, mm. reportedly ducking for cover from bullets but the strongest sightings are in the place that probably did him in, which was the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. So I have heard stories mm. about people who have seen, who are living in this house, who had seen a man running away or trying to hide for cover in the living room. Yeah. And he's wearing a period like suit and they associate that with Siegel. So I think what mm. could be happening there is a residual haunting. Yeah. You know, because apparently, according to these reports, it's like he's doing it over and over again. Right. And it's not 100% intelligent, unlike Weird. the activity at the Flamingo Hotel. So I know in certain reports, I could be wrong. I think it's the presidential suite where people have claimed to seen his spirit. Hmm. And I'm sure people are like, well, how come he's able to haunt both places? Well, when something horrible happens mm -hmm. tragic happens in a location such as his home it leaves an imprint and yeah. that imprint is just on repeat Oof. so that could be something that is happening at and that house we've talked about that in other episodes i think the haunted hotel and you know people see maryland in different places and right there's energy floating in different you know areas it's like the people want to see them in certain places like the Roosevelt or this hotel, the Flamingo and you know it's like those are maybe nicer places for them to haunt than maybe like the scene of their murder you exactly. know so it's like there's lots of different levels of unknown phenomenon. An explanation yeah. And a lot of times that's what it is it's just the universe experiencing itself the atmosphere yeah. experiencing itself and i feel like the rest can be either explained with science or mm. you know doing a proper investigation so who knows 
I wouldn't mind, you know, residually haunting a coffee line. Just like <laughs> I keep getting my coffee like over and over. Like that's not terrible. I know. I would do the same thing at the Donut Man. In, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I love a donut. In the marketplace over there in downtown. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, great. Um, we have our death plans figured we out. We <laughs> do. I thought I almost died this past weekend oh. because I went to the marketplace in, um, off of Hill Street. Yeah. And I had eaten at the Lucky Bird. Mm-hmm. I think it's called the Lucky Bird and had the most phenomenal chicken sandwich. Sandwiches, yeah. Yeah. And then, then all of a sudden I like, like whisked away to the donut man because my husband's like, we should try a donut. I'm like, Hilarious. no. Okay. Yes, we should. All right. Now we are going to actually give our friend a little props right here. Mm. Um, it's our friend Maria Wessenauer from Hollywood Exhumed. She dug up this case a while back and posted it on her Instagram, I and I had no idea about it. So we're going to travel to 817 North Whittier Street, and this is the Samuel Hayden's Beverly Hills estate. Hmm. So Mrs. Kate Hayden, 71, was the wife of real estate developer Samuel Hayden and was murdered in her Beverly Hills mansion on February 9th of 1955. Hmm. Police initially questioned two men, one a former butler who had been fired two weeks before the murder, but both men had alibis, however, and were released after taking a lie detector test. Ugh. The family's maid, Peggy King, also known as Margaret Moore, took a lie detector test as well. King's test was not as conclusive, and after questioning, she broke down and confessed to the killing. She told police she and Mrs. Hayden had been arguing about the preparation of a meal. After striking Mrs. Hayden with an axe many times, Uh, she staged the crime scene to make it look like a robbery and told police she hadn't seen anything. I'm going to just say this. You just don't fuck with the staff who prepares your nope. food <laughs> class is... solidarity don't mess with working people <laughs> i always wonder no i, I just want to know like if mrs hayden like told the maid like this has no flavor there were times um, when i was working me? in food service that if someone had if there had been an axe near me <laughs> i would have used it so i you know obviously i don't want to sign a, a guilty or not guilty verdict but I can empathize deeply with wanting to ax people in yes. food service. So, you know. Or my husband, when he tells me, babe, a little more salt, Girl, closes the door. Don't, don't you reach for that salt shaker. <laughs> <laughs> the music of uh, Sarah McLaughlin yeah. in the arms of an angel <laughs> yes. plays. I'm like. You can learn today. You can learn yeah. right now. <laughs> Nothing to <laughs> like, you. What did you say? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he never. He has once. But never. And we've never seen him since. <laughs> <I> no, <laughs> no my, my husband loves my kicking. He is trained to agree with me. Yeah, that. right. And this axe has nothing to do with that. Exactly. All right, guys. And so now we're going to travel to the 1960s. Yes. So we're going to be introduced to Dan Ornsby Torrance and mm. Jan Berry, who are known as Jan and Dean. The 1960s music duo who were the pioneers of surf rock. Love it. So they were very famous for songs like um, Surf City and even Dead Man's Curve, which is really interesting because Dead Man's Curve, I think, came out in 1964. Mm -hmm. And um, Jan had a bit of an incident on a Dead Man's Curve in Whittier. Oh, no. Oh, yes. So... 
On April 12th of 1966, Jan Barry was taking a drive. He was driving to a business that wasn't too far from the Dead Man's Curve located on Whittier Drive. Mm. And it's a curve that if you're heading west on sunset and you pass Whittier, it's like a blind curve. And there's been many accidents there, even to this day. So he was driving at very high speeds in his Corvette and he had struck a parked vehicle at full speed. He did survive the incident. Mm. He, however, he did suffer head trauma and he was in a coma for two months. And he had injuries that left him not quite the same. He was disabled. Oh. He had paralysis on his right arm. And the incident took place within a block of where the other two incidents occurred of Howard Hughes wow. and even Bugsy Siegel. Wow. So if you look on the map that we'll put on mm-hmm. Instagram, it I mean, if you pinpoint and draw the lines of those locations of the Janberry accident, Howard Hughes accident, and the Bugsy Siegel murder, mm. it's a triangle. And just to be fair, you know, I don't think that this is part of a curse. I think it's because on in Sunset Boulevard, yes, in Beverly Hills, People drive insane. Yeah. When you have money and when you have fame, it's like you, I guess you think you're invincible or something. There is sort of a sort of, I don't even know how to explain it, but a, a, a mystical Hollywood energy that comes from driving right. some of these roads. It, it, it's like you're embodying the spirit of the city in a way. I, I can empathize. I also have a lead foot and drive like a little banshee. <laughs> but there's something about like, right, you're listening to like Wildest Dreams by Taylor Swift and you're on like Mulholland <laughs> and you're going to go like 100 miles an hour and like River Phoenix is in the front seat with you. Like there's something romantic Man, about yeah, that romantic about... feeling that you get. Mm-hmm. Just driving in a space like that. Yes. And if you go down Sunset mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills, like the roads are nicely paved. It feels like this is how Hollywood's supposed to be. Yes. Yeah. The nice, money. you know, tree trimmed, yep. lined streets. I mean, yeah, there is an energy, but there is also this trend of street races that have mm-hmm. been occurring. And I don't know if you remember that horrible accident that left that poor young girl dead. Um, in Beverly Hills, it was mm. the girl that um, was caught up in that street racing. She was just coming oh. home from work, and that kid in the Lamborghini or his dad's Lamborghini oh. crashed into her. That's so sad. And I think two weeks after that accident, there were no arrests, and the father of that kid, who was a millionaire, by the mm. way, tried to pay off the accident for being posted in certain media sites. Jesus, And it was caught on on social media and news sites as well. It was a huge thing, but it is also something that mm. is a common occurrence, that there's a lot of street yeah. races that do occur. There have been a lot of deaths from my research. Like yeah. There's been a lot of accidents and a lot of deaths. I think um, the most recent one was that one of that poor girl whose last name I believe is Munoz. Mm. And um, the family finally, you know, is receiving some sort of justice from that happening. Thanks to, you know, platforms such as Twitter and TikTok. People were like, no, this shouldn't, you know, be buried. This shouldn't be, you know, something that could be brushed off with money, which is 
horrific. You can't just throw money at all your problems. Mm-hmm. Like, and these people literally there are tried. It's like, yeah, they always try, but. Yeah, but fortunately for Jan, he survived, mm. and he unfortunately is not the same. Mm. But if you see pictures of his Corvette, you're just like, oh my God, how did he survive that? It is completely demolished. But oh. he was really lucky that he survived such yeah. crash. Now, in more recent times, there was a mysterious death, and that was the mysterious death of a publicist by the name of Ronnie Sue Chasen, mm who was representing many big names in Hollywood. However, on November 16th of 2010, tragedy strikes again at the Bermuda Triangle in Beverly Hills. Now, Chasen was driving home from a premiere and was passing Whittier and the Sunset Corner. At this corner, she was shot. Mm. And the person shooting was never identified. The most crazy thing about this is that she doesn't die from the shots she Mm. dies from the crash that follows so in order to escape the gunfire she slams on the gas and she loses control of her car and the Mm. car crashes into a street light and that is what pretty much you know does her in the wreck of the car sits just across from where the other accidents and tragedies had occurred Mm. so people were also relating that death to mm. you know the curse of the Ber- the Beverly Hills Bermuda Triangle, mm-hmm. and from what I've read, that has been the last mysterious death that has been recorded to date. So it's very very interesting. Um, is it haunted? No, I don't think the Bermuda yeah. Triangle is haunted. Is it cursed? I don't think so. I think that you it know, just be a lot of coincidence. It's a lot of coincidence. I've driven past there several times. There's a lot of people that drive recklessly yeah, around that, there. That part is not a coincidence. And there's yeah. a lot of people with money around there. And, and you the know. thing that's hard too is if you put three dots anywhere on a map, it's going to make a triangle, mm-hmm. however big you want to make it. You know, so yeah. I think it's it probably, in my opinion, has more to do with the topography of the city streets and the way that those curves are versus any kind of like curse hopefully Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't want to be cursed i think we just want to label it as such and you know i brought this up on our instagram with the death of uh the um the glee star uh what's her name oh uh naya rivera yeah naya rivera And because, like, she was, like, the third person to mm-hmm. die from this cast, people were like, oh, it's the Glee curse. I'm like, no, it's because yeah. these people before her, you know, didn't have a good path in life. Yeah. And for Anaya, she ended up going to a lake, a man-made lake, where yeah. you are not supposed to be swimming in. Yeah. Where a lot of deaths had occurred there because people ignore yeah. the warning signs that they're not allowed to swim in that lake. Ugh. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's very interesting how people want to label something as such because it just makes sense to them. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, our humans look for order amongst chaos. That is our Mm -hmm. ultimate, not purpose, but it's the way that our brain functions the best. Like when there's chaos, we seek to find meaning and order and sometimes things are just coincidence. I happen to think that the Glee cast is cursed, but... I <laughs> know. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, there are two sides to every, you know, was the was the Oz set in 
like the Wizard of Oz was that cursed. You know, we talk about mm-hmm. uh, in the Marilyn Monroe episode, the last film that she was in was that cursed. Like, who knows? Ultimately, we, we might never know, but mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's cursed by Hollywood. Yeah, I think Hollywood is just cursed. cursed yeah, everything Hollywood, is yeah. just cursed. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to label it as such. All right, guys. We're going to take a little bit of a long, brisk walk Ooh. all the way over. We're going to get our steps in. Oh, our steps we are just climbing. we got to get 10,000 steps in because <laughs> we're going to be drinking some cocktails, yes. having some truffle fries mm. very soon. So we got to get our 10,000 steps Love in. Love it. All right. We're going to travel to 722 North Elm Drive. And this is the Menendez Brothers mm. house. Yes. Uh, were the Beverly Hills brothers, Lyle and Eric Menendez, were they sexually abused sons who fought hmm. back against their parents? Or was it something more sinister? Now, the brothers were convicted of murdering their parents, Kitty and Jose Menendez, back in 1989, wow. and it became a national sensation. But the case has definitely resurfaced with full vengeance as of 2020 the menendez brothers are back in the zeitgeist thanks to teens on tiktok Ugh, god bless teens on tiktok <laughs> so i had to look up the other day i had to look up what the word chuggy meant I, <laughs> I felt, i've never felt older and i was never cool so like that was not ever the issue mm-hmm. but i have never felt older Ugh, i know when you now have to look up these terms now yeah. these new terminology we're so not hip yeah, I know. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. I'm. I like being a recluse in my apartment. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm really good at it too. So like, <laughs> carry on. Now, these TikTok users are thriving on the ability to tell a brand new story mm-hmm. from a new perspective using old footage from their Amazing. court proceedings. I love that. Um, what a great use of TikTok. It is like they're they're really gone in and said you know that's awesome they really said something and it's because the media and this is just them we're yeah. not trying to justify anything no no no, no. i'm but really I just, just talking about like what a great way to use yeah you know so often we talk about social media in like such disparaging terms but like hell yeah mm-hmm. so according to a news report that was released mm-hmm. It was a televised news report on 2020. Both Eric and Lyle say they committed the murders after years of insufferable sexual abuse at the hands of their father. Meanwhile, many newspaper headlines at the time and documentary programs in the years following capitalized on the concept of two gritty rich kids killing their parents for the sake of money. What sells a better story? And... I remember growing mm. up and hearing, you know, and seeing yeah. those headlines like two rich boys from Beverly Hills kill their parents for money. Ugh. You know, that's how they were painted. And then I read more reports and their testimonies. And it's very disturbing. Mm. It's extremely disturbing because they have come forward and said, look, my father has sexually abused me and my brother there are times when he would take pictures of us naked invite us to a friend's house so we could go skinny dipping and that friend would take pictures of us it it, it's very uncomfortable to listen to those accounts so that's why the this new generation on tiktok with these fresh eyes Mm. have you know, gone over all the old court footage and have mentioned, hey, 
their victims. Right. And I'm not trying to justify like no, what no, they no. did was but it certainly calls into question the way that we report and sensationalize exactly. mm-hmm. and you know we just had a different sensibility even 20 30 years ago like whether or not they were telling the truth they were not probably getting fair representation in the media if the headline is like killed for money like mm-hmm. that is a very sensationalized Right, that's not someone reporting the news with, like, facts. That's someone assigning a motive, assigning a morality. And again, I'm not trying to say, like, these innocent men, like, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the way that celebrity influences the truth of reporting. That's, like, a different conversation. We're seeing that, again, I know I've already brought it up once, but I'm really on the train. Like, we're seeing that in this Free Britney movement. The way that we treated her as a society... 10, 20 years ago is so abhorrent. It's like shocking. And I remember watching all of those things, like watching this woman have a mental breakdown in her car while paparazzi like and like absolutely, it's abhorrent. And it's like we all participated in that and owe her this like recompense basically. And so again, all we're, we're not trying to say that these men did or didn't like that's not what we're talking about. But like what a sad, horrifying story that's now, like you're saying, coming back out to light. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's it's showing you know these stories in a very different light mm-hmm. now, especially yeah. with the use this new use of social media and yeah. our new sense of like what is what it, what happens with victims. Like so many of the you know these sort of old ideas, like crime scene shows of like. Why would you tell a lie? Like, why would you do this? It's like, great, you're you're not factoring in, like, PTSD and shock and trauma response. And, like, these things that are now, like, common understanding that we just, like, talk about casually. Mm-hmm. We do not give p- the people benefit of the doubt in the past. Like, oh, why would they lie? Like, well, they were probably traumatized. Like, again, I'm not a yes. psychologist. I'm not trying to diagnose anybody. I'm not no. trying to assign guilt. But, like, the way that these things were talked about and they were just assumed to be guilty or assumed to be nefarious like eh, maybe we didn't do the best by people that we could have absolutely Oof. i agree and so did mia yeah you i guys know. heard her shaking right there sorry about that could hear it in the comments i know <laughs> um has anything come of this like resurgence yet has like any case been reopened or they're still you know, to tell you the truth, I I haven't followed up with it yet. Yeah, well, I it's just so remember, fresh and like who yeah, can remember anything just, from 2020. I just remember, yeah, reading this article, and I remember even being on the app and seeing yeah. a lot of these users like introducing this trend. Crazy. Now, it's really interesting, but it's also a good follow up to see you know what comes yeah. about. You know, justice moves slow, unfortunately. Uh, yes, that is that is very true. Yeah. Now let's slowly move over. <laughs> Two seven three zero yeah. North Bedford Drive. For all you Golden Age Hollywood fans, this is the rental house of Lana Turner. This yes. is the Lana Turner drama house. Now, on the evening of April 4th of 1958, 14 year old Cheryl Crane stabbed 32 year old Johnny Stapanato, hmm. the boyfriend of her mother, actress Lana Turner, at Turner's rented home in Beverly Hills. 
Now, Stappanato, an ex-Marine and affiliate of the Cohen crime family, had been in a year-long relationship with Turner, which had been very rocky and marked with physical abuse. Mm. So Crane and Turner alleged that Stappanato was in a fit of rage one evening with Turner. Crane ends up stabbing Stappanato in the stomach when Turner was ushering him out of her bedroom during a violent argument. Crane had heard the fighting and took a knife from the kitchen, planning to defend her mother. And after Crane turned herself into the police in the early morning hours of April 5th, she was interred in a juvenile hall. Wow. Now, a coroner's inquest was held on April 11th, and during which the homicide was deemed justifiable. And Crane was exonerated of any wrongdoing. So she was released in late April and placed under the guardianship of her grandmother. Mm. And here we go with the media. So public response to the case was very divisive. Mm. And uh, numerous press outlets published articles criticizing Turner and likened her testimony during the inquest to that of a performance. Though Crane was cleared of wrongdoing, Stappanato's wife filed a wrongful death lawsuit in June of 1958 against her, her father, Stephen, and Turner seeking 750000 in damages. Wow. So the lawsuit was eventually settled in court uh, by 1962 mm. for only the sum of $20,000. <laughs> only. Yeah, just only. So that was a very, very heated case, too, that involved, you know, bombshell Lana Turner and her daughter. And a minor, like... Yes. And I know Cheryl has grown up and even has written autobiographies about it. There's been conspiracy theories, too. Conspiracy theorists claim that it was Turner that stabbed Mm. her boyfriend. And Cheryl came into her defense and said, no, I'm going to take the blame for you, Mom. Interesting. So those were theories that I've read that have circulated around this particular crime. Oof. Mm-hmm. Maybe just don't, like, get physically violent with women. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Again, not justifying murder. Not justifying murder at all. Not assigning... But violence against women is a thing. Yeah, like, oh, God. But, like, can you imagine if a child was like, I'll take the... Oh, God, that breaks my heart. I know. I hope that's not true. Not because, like, I don't believe it is or isn't, but just, like, I hope that she didn't have to, like, as a child, make that decision. That's so sad. It's sad no matter what, but, ugh. All right, guys, so I promised you that we were going to another famous haunted house. Love it. Well, it was... I'll be down the road. The location of a former home that was another one that was demolished and built over. So this is the former home of I Love Lucy. Lucille Ball. This one resides at 1000 North Roxbury Drive. Mm. So the entertainment world was never the same after the passing of Lucille Ball in 1989. However, Mm. the I Love Lucy star reportedly visits her old house on Roxbury Drive, or the site of where her old house once stood. So another place, too, that was brought up in past episodes that we've done, especially with our special guest, Nicole, who Mm, used to work in Warner Brothers and Paramount, but um, Lucille also haunts the Heart Building at Paramount Studios, where the show was filmed, too. So Lucille Ball dies at Cedar sinai in Beverly Hills on April 26 of 1989 while recovering from a ruptured aorta. People who visit the locations of her home and the studio 
report a strong scent of old floral smelling perfume, mm. just like the one she used to wear. So there were two fragrances that I researched that she used to wear. One is old school Florida water. And the other one is Chanel Number no. Five. Ooh, a classic. Yeah, very much a classic, but it is not floral mm. scented. I, have you ever smelled Chanel Number no. Five? I have a notoriously bad sense of smell, so I don't know. Maybe it is <laughs> strong. Is it? I think you could probably fill your gas tank with it <laughs> and drive to Vegas. I'm serious. I, I was it. gifted a small bottle yeah. a few years back and I had to give it away because it was so strong. Wow. Like I remember putting like a few drops and I was like, whoa, whoa, I'm getting dizzy. This is really, really powerful. A and little bit do you. Yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. Like I'm a Chanel chance girl. So okay. I... Yeah, or That's Chanel right. Coco. This podcast is sponsored by Chanel. Chanel. That's right. They can send us all the bottles all they of want. Because <laughs> here we are being represented and partnered with Manscaped. Yes. Yes. I love them. Shave your balls. I have and will continue <laughs> to do so. It's summer and I'm hot. And don't spray Chanel number no. five after doing that. You know, that would I, for- sting. I forgot that second step. So that explains the stinging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Plus. would. That would. That would cause burns. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. So, but Florida water, I could definitely see that playing in. Mm-hmm. And um, it has like a very clean light and even almost citrusy scent to it. So I could definitely see that, you know, being the cause of what people could be smelling in those mm. areas. Now, uh, it is said that Lucy has been haunting the area of her former Beverly Hills home. So sightings include reports of unexplained broken windows, loud voices coming from the attic, and furniture moving around the home when the home was still there. Interesting. While it could have been another ghost, there was one eyewitness who said that uh, he saw Lucy visit the property after her passing. Mm. So her property was eventually sold, and then it was demolished. Mm -hmm. I think it was in like the early to mid-90s this Mm. occurred. But according to her friend, the friend of Lucille's drove past the property to see the home one last time since the home was sold and it was being torn mm-hmm. down. Walls were missing and he could see Lucille's old bedroom. He then noticed a tall, slim, redheaded woman peering through the fence at what was left. She turned toward him and he realized that it was Lucy. Mm. She looked upset and very confused. And then she then walked around the South corner of the house and disappeared. I think she is not happy Mm. in the afterlife because this is what happens too. So after her passing, she is originally buried in Forest Lawn Memorial Park or she was cremated and that's where her remains Mm. were placed. And that's located in Hollywood Hills. Um, however, in 2003, her ashes were moved to Lakeview Cemetery in Jamestown, her mm. birthplace. And she's there with her parents, her grandparents. I think even her brother is mm. there too. And I know for a fact from what I heard in a past episode on Dearly Departed with oh, Scott sure. Michaels, Hi. he was like, I don't think she wanted that. I really don't think that is something she wanted. She wanted to stay in Hollywood. And I think she really is pissed off. One, that her ashes were moved. Two, that she moved back in with her family. Yeah, girl. (laughs) Yeah. And three, like, 
her favorite home, her home that she loved is no longer there. Yeah. It's demolished. That's the true ghost of Los Angeles gentrification. Right there. Like nothing is forever here no. unless it's protected by the historical society here. It's so few things though. Yeah, but like I said, like I want to know too, since the house has been demolished, if she's still lingering around yeah. there. There is a neighbor who I've mentioned and had on the podcast, mm. Sherry. Oh, yeah. In the LAPD Museum, right? Yes. She was telling me, and it was captured during an interview with her that we caught an EVP of a woman right. responding to a question that she made. And I even approached her, like, what do you think it could be? Mm. She's like, well, it could be something you have. Or it could be my mom because I know she's around me. Sure. Or it could be the woman next door. I'm like, what do you but, mean? <laughs> I know. I was like, another haunted house here. <laughs> so um, she was telling me, and I, I'm very familiar with this house. So mm. there's this house next door to hers that does not look like all the other houses mm. in the neighborhood. It looks new and very modern. Mm. So she knew the woman that used to live there. And the house sold after her passing to this family. And the family moves in and they demolish the house wow. after several months. And they built a big modern home in its place and um i guess they were complaining about certain activity that was occurring inside wow. the house and i think sherry did an investigation and came to the conclusion that the woman who was the former owner there is still there wow. and is not happy with the way the family had completely yeah flipped the home yeah mm. and it could be like that's what Lucille's going through, yeah. you know? All that change. It's a ton of change. Mm. That would shock me in the yeah. afterlife. God, I would yeah. be very pissed with my Florida water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just throwing it all over the place. Yeah. All right, guys. We have one. No, we actually have two more stops before mm-hmm. we hit Boa. So we're going to come into the Beverly Hills Hotel, guys. We're going to make our way over here to 9641 Sunset Boulevard, guys. This is better known as the Pink Palace. Yes. This is a very iconic hotel. Yes. It is an L.A. hideaway and is famous for playing host to Hollywood royalty over the years from the deals made in the polo lounge to the romances and uh, other hookups <laughs> in the secluded bungalows. This has been Tinseltown's playground since Beverly Hills was born. Mm. Now, actor Peter Finch had a heart attack in the lobby of the hotel in 1977. And it's rumored that he still hangs around the lobby. Mm. So that is one little ghost story right there that is connected to the hotel. While it's possible that he's still there, it is believed that comedian and harpist Harpo Marx and mm. Russian composer Sergei, I'm going to butcher his last name, uh, Rachmaninoff, um, haunt there and are still making music together. Aww. Now I do I have, have a little I know they are they're they're ghost buddies there. Ghost buddies. <laughs> but it is very difficult to mm. find more stories in terms of hauntings there because they're not allowed to talk about that. Mm. However, I have that a friend sense. who has done business there. He's in the industry and yes. he's like, Oh, I got a story for you. Yes. I'm like, tell me. He's like, Well, it has to do with the polo lounge and workers there have claimed that like whenever they close up or the lounge is, you know, empty and they're in the kitchen or they're away from that location, mm-hmm. they would still hear like the clinking and clinking of glasses. Oh, wow. 
they would hear voices coming from that lounge and they would go in and no one is there. So it's probably more producers and executives still, you know, trying to get that film made in the afterlife. Oh, girl, it is a nightmare to try and get funding in the afterlife. I know, and they're still working on it at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Amazing. Mm -hmm. That's so crazy. It is, but every time I think about that hotel, I always think about that old 80s flick called Camp Beverly Hills. Yes! Yes. (laughs) And how they tried to go camping and they ended up camping in one of the bungalows. I was like, I would do that. Yeah. I would be all about that. camping that I like. I know that's the only camping I want to do. I tried camping in the Sequoias a week and a half ago. Girl, I am not trying to get killed by a skinwalker. Like, no, <laughs> I cannot. I, no, thank you. No, 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 we no. We thought no, no. we were going to die Ugh. in the forest there because the last night that we were there, we got stormed in. And oh, I was right. Like, oh, my God. Tonight's not going to be the night that I'm going to be whisked away no. in like a flood or this something. This is not how I go. No, this is not how we go. I survived many Hell hurricanes yeah. in New Orleans. Yes. This is not how it's going to end. No. Not in the sequoias. But beautiful up there, God. It is gorgeous. And oh my God, I I got a little dizzy like the first day yeah. there because it's like you're 7,000 feet above like elevation. Yeah. It's insane. But it's worth it. That's it was so worth beautiful. it. Aww. Oh, absolutely. And we're glad you didn't die. <sighs> I'm glad too. <laughs> I was like, it's not going to be today. No, not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. All right, guys. We're going to make our last stop at the infamous Greystone Mansion that we've Amazing. covered a few episodes before so this resides off of 905 loma vista drive in beverly hills oh my god yes it's right across the street from boa where we're going to end our stop now there's lots of mysteries and unsolved questions that surround this murder suicide of secretary and his employer now ned doheny son of wealthy oil influencer Mm. edward doheny was killed there in a what what but people like to call a business dealing or uh, a lover's quarrel. <laughs> so while the official report claims the secretary either had a nervous breakdown or killed his boss over not receiving a raise, multiple conspiracy theories have surfaced since. The homicide detective, for example, who arrived at the scene later wrote an autobiography called Me Detective, detailing the errors within the investigation. Mm. The case was declared uh, solved by the district attorney's office the following day, but rumors say Ned and his secretary, Hugh, still roam the halls of the mansion today. Wow. There's also sightings as uh, of this tall, dark shadow figure, mm. children playing in the second level. No, thank you. Yeah, it's it's got an energy there, but we did do an episode based on yes. the Greystone Mansion, and I do know, um, I can't remember the name of this author, but he just came out with a book called The Ghosts of Greystone Mansion. Oh, wow. You could find it on Amazon, or if you just Google it, it's there. And he interviewed my neighbor, who was the, yeah, who was the groundskeeper of the Greystone Mansion, who was the reason why my sister and I were able to tour in 2009. when Yeah, when it was under renovation. And he, he told us, like, there is stuff here that happens. There is activity. Wow. He had audio to prove it. He had his own personal experiences of seeing a see-through man who looked like a butler go down a staircase and disappear. So the house or the the mansion has a lot of stories and has a lot of interesting entities. Damn. Mm -hmm. Now for the fun part, guys. We're going to cross the street here where the sunset 
strip begins, we're going to have some truffle fries and yes. some amazing cocktails yes, uh, at Boa, where it is 100% haunted by paparazzis. It very much is. The paparazzi. Yeah. I had a friend that used to work there and the stories he would tell as a no. Oh, God, yeah. It was just a nightmare. You want to hear one story yes. that will always like live in my mind rent-free? Mm-hmm. Um, my friend and I went there just to have drinks and appetizers because yeah. that's all we could afford. Yes. <laughs> and I was just like ready to pay the bill after we just pigged out on truffle fries. Got it. Uh-huh. And mid-truffle fry, I look up and there's David Beckham. <gasps> Coming in with Avon Longoria. And I thought that this was it. Like, this was my entrance to heaven. I almost choked on the fry. I was like. Then he he has to give you the Heimlich. It's a whole thing. Yes. You know, I used to be, you know, a celebrity stylist, but when I saw them, I was just like completely starstruck. Wow. And I'm usually not that starstruck, but when I saw David, I was just like, man, that man is beautiful. In person, he is fine. Not fine. Fine. And let me just stop you now before anyone goes in the comments and talks about how his voice. Or, uh, I always get so angry at my one roommate. She's always like, his voice doesn't match his body. I'm like, I will end your life. <laughs> how dare you talk about sweet David Beckham like this? No, he. Okay. I, I'm going to say this. He's actually shorter in person. They always are. Yeah. Because Ava Longoria is pretty. She's petite. Mm-hmm. And he was just like. I want to say a couple, like just a couple of inches taller mm. than her. And I, I don't know what I did. I made, I was like, I'm going to walk to the bar where they're sitting Flares. and I'm just going to ask the bartender for something. Yeah. And anything. I, anything. And I purposely brushed up against him <gasps> and he turned around. I was like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I was okay. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. It's happening. It's Talk happening. to me some more. Just say yeah. anything. Say napkin, say straw. Yes. <laughs> I would melt in your hands right now. Uh, yes. David. I know. I like your pants. They look well fitted. They know. really do. And they were both really nice. Like Aww. you could tell. Like like there's some celebrities that you could just tell. Like just mm. their aura and just yeah. how they are. They're just have a false sense of entitlement. But mm. him and Ava, they were just like, from what I was told, like they're really good friends. And they were just like really cool. They were just nice. They're having a good time. Like I got my glass of water that I never drank from the bar. And no, I absolutely. Couldn't not. brush up against David again, but well, you've done it once. That's all mm, we can ask. He smelled for. really nice. I bet he really did. Chanel number five. I know. <laughs> Me and my fucking Florida. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to our episode, our audio walking tour of Beverly Hills. Yes. And if you ever are in and around the Beverly Hills area, and you you know find one of the houses that we talked about. You know, take a picture, tag us in it. If you're ever in and around David Beckham, tag us in it. I know. Man, that man's beautiful. <laughs> Is my husband around? He's fine. He's, He's fine. fine. He's fine. It's all, right. all for the podcast. We can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mia is also excited that we're ending this episode because we get to give her full attention. Yes. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to be stalking us on all of our social media, guys. Be sure to stalk us on Twitter at HWP Podcast, mm-hmm. on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok yes. at Hollywood Paranormal. If you have a scary ghost story, Please forward that to us at our email at hollyweirdparanormal at gmail.com for our listeners' tales. If you want to learn more about the podcast, head on over to hollyweirdparanormal.com. You can learn a little bit more about Mm -hmm. myself and Bryce. You could browse our merch store. You can 
actually go through our Patreon page. We have a Patreon page. You can also head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Hollyweird Paranormal. We're you everywhere. Can, we are. You could be a part of our Patreon group. Mm-hmm. You could be automatically inducted into our Saturday Night Ghost Club. Yes. And this is a secret podcast society where we collect ghost stories mm. from our friends, our neighbors, and we post them onto this little secret podcast. Yeah. You'll also be gifted in coasters, in stickers, in magnets, and so much more. Yeah. And you'll definitely get a shout out for sure. We have a couple people that we want to give a big shout out who are our new Holly Weird Patreon That's members. So I know. Thank you guys so much. So we have, first off, a big thank you to Jeff Daigle. Thank Hi. you so much, Jeff, for joining. And for, oh my God, for this one user, didn't use your real name, Knees Lincoln. Hilarious. <laughs> Lincoln's. I get it. I understand. And we just want to say thank you guys thank so, you much so much so for sweet. joining and being a part of our Holly Weird crew. Yes. And we're so happy that you got your your goodies in the mail, yes. of course. Bryce, do you have anything else you want to say? Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Stay healthy. Stay safe. But most of all, stay Holly Weird and take care. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye.